You're now listening to Sanity at the Movies, Insufferable Disney Reboot Edition. It's tipping my hand a little bit there. Hey, everybody. My name's Nathan, your humble and immediate host. We've got Jake Mensel, Pastor Jake, over there. How you doing, Jake? Fine. How are you? Okay. We just got out of The Lion King. Disney's... I thought we watched Milo and Otis. Yeah. <clears throat> my... I guess we're getting right into it, huh? Yeah. My, my girlfriend's comment, or my fiancé... I guess we're getting married in three weeks, so she's pretty fiancé. Homeward Bound Part 4. Yeah. she said Her comment was, it would have been pretty good if they just took out the dialogue. <laughs> and I think she might be right, actually. If your brain was allowed to just be like, oh, this is kind of a cool I, I thought that special effects I thought that thing. really early on. At, especially the first act. Mm-hmm. It felt like a, a BBC production where they were like telling the story of these lions out in the wild or... A Milo and Otis story where they got cats doing things, mm-hmm. and then they just decided to piece together a story over it, or you know, like like that might have been better. Yeah, I mean, knowing it, that, knowing that this is all CGI is really impressive, but also the net effect is we just watched photorealistic lions do lion stuff with a soundtrack from a movie that we all like. Yeah, playing over it, and then I couldn't quite tell if i liked it better or worse for the fact that they were very aware of the problem and so a lot of the movie a lot of the dialogue happened with uh characters backs turned did you yeah, notice how I, much I, of that happened i made myself not notice because it was started to irritate me early on or i knew it was going to and i said okay you should give this movie i just kept puzzling over whether or not that was smart or stupid well i feel like the Jeff Goldblum's speech from Jurassic Park is apropos here. We were so worried about whether we could do this that we never stopped to think about whether or not we should. Whether or not we should. And then we packaged it. We <laughs> wrapped it with a bow and packaged it. I mean, honestly, there is absolutely nothing about this movie to commend it over the original. Well, it's fascinating. Okay, so let's just take a step back and explain what we're talking about, because maybe if somebody has no context, I'm guessing if somebody sees a tr- has seen a trailer and had suspicious suspicions of the same thing that we are sort of circling right now, like buzzards circling a lion carcass, then they will know basically what we're getting at, but we should explain. The movie is all CGI, actually, but it's photorealistic. It's very photorealistic CGI, and, and it's anatomically correct, and I don't mean that, and I just mean like... The lions can only open their mouths the way that lions can. They can only move their bodies the way that lions can. The birds can only, yeah. The birds can only move their beaks the way birds can. The warthog and meerkat can only do warthog and meerkat things. The baboon can only do baboon things. Now, I'm guessing if you, if Mr. John Favreau, the director, was here, he'd say that's not quite true. No, they bent it a they, little bit. We bent it, and we bent it to tell our story. But and man, and we bent it really subtly, and and probably his idea was it look all photorealistic, but it would tell a very human emotional story. But it didn't work because mm. what I kept thinking of was Grand Moff Tarkin from Rogue One, the CGI Uncanny Valley Grand Moff Tarkin that can't quite emote properly. I was less bothered by that. Well, imagine a whole movie of that just those characters let me imagine if rogue one was all it would have been better yeah no it would have been because at least the cgi can badly emote a cgi person has yeah. the features but it's like the lions i just kept thinking i kept remembering images from like like for example the scene where mufasa uh disciplined simba in the original i just saw it which was a mistake 
but it was actually yeah. playing at your house and, yeah. I, and me and Meredith. It was my mistake. It. Yeah, <laughs> but I paid for it because you didn't sit there and watch it. I did. Uh, but I, I watched like 20 minutes of it. And so the, the scene, it's very striking and a very emotional scene. You know, I need to teach my son a lesson. And then Simba comes up and he puts his paw. And in the original. It cuts to Simba's face. Simba's looks sad and then he looks scared. And then, yeah. he lo- and then Mufasa looks really stern. And then when the turn comes and they start being playful, you know, nobody can mess with your dad. And then he gets this big, warm grin on his face and they start playing tug of war. And it's like, that was all lost. And the dialogue was all the same and it was all well performed. But just imagine two basically emotionless animals. It still got emotion out of me. I still was a little uh, weepy in that scene. Oh, that's the thing. That's the thing. But that's the, yeah. As a product, it kind of works because I know the story. I know the beats and they mean something to me. I grew up with them. And even if I didn't, it's a good story. Yep. And the dialogue's well performed. Like if you just listen to this as a radio play. I kept thinking that too. I kept thinking, well, we're in podcasting. So I kept thinking, and this is how I decided that I, I really think the casting was. Spot on. It was just, it was as perfect as you could want. A really great cynical use of Beyonce. Yeah. Donald Glover was great. Kid Simba was great. And I really dug Scar and I didn't think that I would. And uh, maybe you disagree with that. Well, but. I missed I missed Jeremy Irons, and uh, who can blame me? But and I wasn't sure I agreed with what they did with Scar. They made him very, kind of like what they did with Jafar and Aladdin. They they brought him down to earth, made him fairly psychologically real, as opposed to a little more mustache twirling the way that Jeremy it's Irons did it. Uh, Scar was never that mustache twirling, though. No, he was always, I mean, Scar. He was weak. Can he we say was... Scar, best villain in, of the Disney animated oeuvre? I don't, I'm not prepared to come down hard on that, but Scar is definitely up there. He's got to be in the top three. Scar's really great. Yeah. He's great. And the weakness, the jealousy. Yeah, he, you're right. He is a, not a, not a mustache twirling villain, but he does have the this rich Jeremy Irons irony, a oh, monkey's yeah. uncle kind of feeling. Yeah, he has a sense of humor, which I missed in this guy. This guy was oh, he was much more menacing and low key and dry, like a little bit he, more. He was of more a, angry. More of a thug than Jeremy Irons was, which was. Fine. I'm guessing all the children in the audience were scared. Although, man, we had an audience of children. Oh my goodness! That... I've never been in a movie theater with such an annoying audience of children. <laughs> That's the truth, man. I, I mean, I've been in lots of kids' movies with lots of kids mm-hmm. in rows of kids. But man, there was a the row directly behind us and the row in front and of us. The row, what two rows in front of us mm-hmm. down on the on the left. It was amazing. I couldn't believe it. Well, and I kind of thought the reason probably that you haven't been in an, uh, an audience with kids like this is because generally I think movies probably would hold a kid's attention a little bit more than, huh. I, I don't know. That's just my theory. Maybe that's too hard on the movie. I know your kids liked it and I, I think kids probably will basically like it, especially if they're familiar with the original. But man, these kids were all over the place. They couldn't sit still. They were kicking every seat. Yeah. They were talking. They were yelling, they were crying, they were fighting. It wasn't just like this was like the one terrible family behind us. First of all, I think it was a couple of families in a row together behind us. Yeah. And then and then it was also the kids in the uh, two rows ahead of us were the same way. Yeah, this like one kid just wandered off at a certain point. Walking around, jumping, crawling over seats, like banging, throwing their trash around. Like, yeah, I my see. goodness, it was... And I think you're probably right. I think I didn't attribute it to that. I just thought 
These are some ill-mannered... We we just happen to be in the theater with a bunch of ill-mannered children. I think that's true. But I also think that a good mo- a really good children's movie can hold w- would have, their attention Would have tamed them more, better than this movie did. Yeah, I yeah. think you're right. Well, and, and when you think about it from a kid's point of view, you think about the original, it's so bright, it's so colorful, there's a lot of comedy going on. You know, even in the scary scenes, the hyenas are grabbing Zazu and making him into a rocket. You know, there's always something yeah. like that going on, which is what a great Disney movie is always great at doing. This one had long sections where it's just these fairly realistic lions talking about adult things without a lot of stuff that I would really think would be all that relatable to a four-year-old. You know what I mean? Yeah. A four-year-old is going to like animation just because it's animated, like the bright it's colors, colorful, the movement. Moving. Yeah. You know what the other thing is, this is, is going to be kind of a scattershot discussion maybe, but uh, can you feel the love tonight happen during the day? Yeah, I know. Uh, it blew my mind. I couldn't believe they did that. That was really weird. Why? That's the most bizarre decision I've ever, it was like, it can even, they didn't even make it sunset. Like it was like at the middle of the day. Yeah. It kind of looked like golden hour, you know, and that magic, magic hour, golden hour, whatever they call it, where, where the sun is yeah. perfect, you know, five o'clock ish. Yeah, but it did look a little like that. But but it really didn't have that dusky feeling either. There weren't. If they would have just put some purples in the sky, even you know. Yeah. But it was blue sky. Which was again, this is an all CGI movie. It's not like they got there on the day and they couldn't get the right sky. They somebody made a choice. Well, it makes you wonder, but it really doesn't because so much of, I mean, the only thing I could think is they simply made a decision of hey. So much of this movie happens in darkness and bleak places. We need more color. That's interesting. But even the bleak places were kind of drab, realistic bleak and not spooky, scary Disney villain bleak. Like the elephant graveyard actually was happened during the day, that scene. Yeah. And they made it. But it it was dark. Yeah, they made it spooky, but it wasn't. There's some jump scares there. Yeah, there was there were some jump scares. I'm not going to say they did a bad job. You can tell in this, the, between this and the the Jungle Book, you can tell Favreau likes the dark stuff and likes the exciting stuff. That's what appeals to him wish, about these movies. I, I, I guess this movie makes me appreciate the Jungle Book more. Uh, I've not seen it since it came out in theaters and I didn't like it. No, me neither. But it was rem- trying to do something. And this remember, movie was just like, yeah. I remember connecting. I mean, I didn't like Bill Murray's Baloo. But I basically bought him. Like, I basically emotionally connected to him as you're supposed to connect to a character. Whereas this watching this movie is like watching a movie through a screen or something, you know? Like, you could never really quite get into it the way you wanted to because yeah. the characters just couldn't emote. You could actually bifurcate this either way. You could t- remove all the dialogue and just make it kind of a nature, a cool, weird nature documentary kind of thing. Or you could listen to the soundtrack and hear these wonderful actors perform the stuff. Uh, the Which music was really well performed. This was like, yeah. I'd say of all the Disney movies that, that have redone the original scores, this one, they finally had some like actual singers. Yeah, I don't care for Beyonce's singing style, but I thought that she was used well throughout the, the whole movie. I, like, like I said at the beginning, a really great cynical use of Beyonce, in my opinion. Yeah, she was used well. Donald Glover. Donald Glover was great. Kid was, Simba. Kid Simba had a nice great. voice altogether. Billy Eichner and... Uh, Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen were really great. Yeah, they were funny. I mean, I guess people will probably notice that Timon is uh, pretty gay. What they would call queer coded, even even more than the original. But it's not like the original was exactly. Um, but it, I mean, this is like there's a difference. There's a clear difference. 
but it was still at least a direct, a unique direction to take. Yeah, and I like their banter, you know, saying that the slugs were locally sourced. That was there was some cute stuff in there. But be our guest. Be our guest was funny. I loved that part. Yeah, I um, thought it was hilarious. I don't care. Come at me. I liked it. I liked. Is it probably the only thing that actually got a really nice smile or chuckle out of me? That got a smile, and the their rendition of "In the Jungle" was kind of cool. In the Jungle just, was just fun. for something different, and and they did a really nice job of setting up that jump scare. Yes, with the, with the way that you know they kept adding animals to it, kept making it more and more interesting. It kept building, kept building. It was still building when they did the jump scare, and that was just really fun. Right, and I felt. The, my kids next to me jump. Yeah. And so that was fun. That's fun. That's fun. You know, I had a thought returning to the overall concept of this. I, these are the kinds of weird things I think about in the shower. I was thinking about the Beauty and the Beast movie for some dumb reason. And I was thinking about the fact that all the little, an, uh, not animals, but all the little household objects work so well as animated characters. And yet Be Our Guest really falls flat in the original Beauty and, or in the new Beauty, Beauty and the and Beast, Beast the, yeah. the Emma Watson one. And I just, I suddenly imagined, what if they had just had the courage to jettison the idea of household objects and they had just cast all those parts with dancers and, and people that could perform? Suddenly you'd have a magnificent Be Our Guest, actually. Yeah. If you actually had just like real people doing an old-fashioned... Number. <laughs> yeah, and I think I, the reason I bring that up is I just, it's another example of, I don't know, it's not really the right use of the uncanny valley, but it's it's when you're taking something that was pure artifice in the original and you're trying to make it more realistic, there's this uncomfortable region where you need to either make it completely realistic or reimagine it, it. Or reimagine it. Which it looks like they're going to do with Mulan. Yeah, Mulan uh, looks like, I, I don't, I've never really cared for that animated thing, but it looks like they're being smart about the way they're adapting it. They're just making it the Milan story. They're not bothering with probably the music or the Eddie Murphy character or anything like that. Yeah. Mushu. Mushu, which is which is smart, I think, because I think who smart. who wants to see an animated musical version of that story just redone from the original? No, you want to boring. You want to see Milan you want to just see that story told with modern live action technology. Or you don't. I don't actually want to see that story told. Well, but yeah. if if you do, then I think that's what you want to see. But I was thinking, you know, the, as as my fiance would say, I have a constellation of thoughts, and I don't know how to put them all together. But I was also thinking about how exaggerated the movement is in an actual in a Disney cartoon, like yep. the 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 style that Disney and Looney Tunes perfected back in the 30s, 40s is exaggerated. Nobody actually moves like a human being. Yep. Then you have things like Polar Express and all that Robert Zemeckis Christmas Carol kind of stuff. I never liked any of that stuff. Yeah, and I, it's off-putting because they're using motion capture and so they're moving realistically. And it's like, you don't actually want your animated characters to be all that realistic. And this is the problem that I think The Lion King is kind of... If you're going to do that, just like... Just do a live action. Do a live action. The yeah. whole point of a cartoon... Is, is they that, can do things that people can't. And it can tell a story. I think a cartoon can get, I don't want to get too, uh, what's the word, too, in, too grandiose about this, but I could, I could start talking about like platonic forms or something, you know, like a cartoon can get at the essence of a mythic kind of story. A cartoon character can stand in for all of us in the way that a specific actor can't. Well, it's just the, can't. it's what grotesques do, right? Right, like exactly. In literature, it's what Dickens did. Right. That's what cartoons do on screen. Right. 
is they're they're able to by exaggerating by being caricatures by being cartoons right <laughs> they're they're able to magnify traits or things about all of us that allow us to enter in and see ourselves in it without being made to feel too uncomfortable about it because it's a cartoon. It's a cartoon. Well, and so when Mufasa dies in the cartoon, it's like every dad, your dad, my dad, every dad just died. And, and I'm the little boy and I'm curling up. And it doesn't matter that it's a lion cub and a lion. In this one, it's like, oh, well, that lion died. You know, <laughs> it's like it's sad and it still kind of gets me. It basically kind of it works. Still I got guess. me. Um, still got yeah, my no. kids. They all cried. I, I teared up. Well, they came out of the gate slow. It was dumb. Like we fade to a scene. Mm hmm. And then the music starts, and it's understated. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, let down, let down, let down, let down, from the very beginning. Yeah, and that's, I, I understand what you're saying about why Scar worked for you, but that's kind of the feeling I had even about him, is he comes out, and he's going to do everything with just a little less flourish than the old Scar did, and everything's going to feel a little slower <clears throat> and more stately and less funny and less vibrant than it used to. And it was, you know, I know it's not fair, but you know what? Actually, it is fair to compare that to the old one. I mean, they're asking for me to compare it to the old yeah, one, aren't they? Yeah, of course they? they are. Yeah, they are asking you to. And I don't know how this would work as a standalone movie. I don't know whether it would work as a standalone movie, but that's not for me to judge. I grew up with the old one. Yep. What this one kept feeling, I'm glad you said that about the music feeling more subdued. It really did. Because it really did. It was just like, and we, I know all those cues, even just the random background music in the old one. Like, yep. I know it. I know what music is supposed to accompany them, him showing Simba the pride lands and giving the speech about Circle of Life. And they almost needed to just switch some of that stuff up because they, they, they kept rubbing the comparison in my face by being so close. It's like if they just... Well, but it was would have been... If they didn't, we would have felt it more because the fact is the music carried a whole lot of the emotion. That's true. And... It, we would be in here ripping them to pieces if they didn't do that. You're absolutely right. And the one part where they took a risk with be prepared and did something that was off from the original, I, I you can argue about whether Scar is the greatest villain, but be prepared. I'm, I'm prepared to, I am prepared to say is the greatest villain, Disney villain song of all time. Although Ursula has a nice one and Gaston has a nice one and I'm sure others have nice ones. So that was a little bit disappointing that they didn't leave. They left into in it. those villain songs and laughs, don't they? What's that? They left to end those villain songs and cackles. Yes. Scar ends his song and he and all the hyenas start cackling. Yep. And I'm sh I can't imagine Ursula doesn't. Although maybe she doesn't because Ariel's actually there. So she has to have a, what's her poor unfortunate souls. Lots some jetsum now. I got them, boys. The boss is on a roll. Yeah. Probably does cackle at the end of that. I, she know. does. She's got yeah, it. she does. I remember now. Yeah, this uh, this scar. You know, he was good. He was good, but he was he was. Yeah, she's laughing the whole time. She's si signing the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This <laughs> <laughs> is cackling. Yeah, that's what. That's 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 my criticism. It's not really a criticism of Scar, but it's just I miss villains that just delight in being villains. It's the thing that's wonderful about Palpatine. And if Abrams messes that up and makes Palpatine. I don't think he will. Because he won't. He'll get it right. Everybody wants to see, and, and Abrams is nothing if not. He's very aware that what Palpatine represents is gleefully Gleeful evil. malevolence. Yeah. But there again, Star Wars is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. The new ones, you got Kylo Ren, and you got Snoke, and they're both angsty, serious, adult kind of villains in their different ways. And I miss that. You know, I'm glad they're bringing Palpatine back. Maybe they'll, of course, correct here at the last minute. Too late. I, 
You know, I might have been helped with Scar by knowing the actor, having looked it all up beforehand. I don't and know the actor. I right. can't say his name. I don't know how to pronounce it. Is it the Ito? It's, it's Mordo from Doctor Strange. Oh, interesting. I may, I may have been helped by just sort of, I, I thought he did a great job actually as Mordo and Doctor Strange. As a sort of I don't like, really remember who Mordo is. Which one's Mordo? He's the guy who's going to be Doctor Strange's friend. Is he the guy that's set up as the antagonist for Doctor Strange too? Yes. Like the the other guy that's working for the Chosen One or whatever? The Ancient One. The Ancient One, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the guy who's there, who lets him in off the street, who talks to him, who sort of like is his buddy as they go through. and. If I may be so bold, the black guy. The black from guy, From Doctor yeah. Strange. That's right. Yep. That's him. Okay, yeah, he's good in that. I and... thought he was good in that, and I think I was just sort of, what's a, what's a, what's a not, we pointed out that he's black, what's a way of you saying a... <laughs> that he brought more, that brought more color to the, <laughs> to the performance possibly. Can I just leave that in? Because I actually felt like the whole movie was helped by having people of color in those parts, actually. I, I actually really liked that change. That, um, that whole vibe. It just felt more African. Yeah, uh, and well, and that was which was cool. some of my favorite parts of the movie were just like the shots of when it was just like African scenery. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Stuff. You know, what was cool in that regard. I, I thought it was really cool. Actually, I, I really liked this touch. The way that Simba's fur, the little journey that his <laughs> his fur goes on, ends up in a dung beetle. It was on the nose. It was kind of like a obvious like it's yeah. a circle of life and nature. And... There were a lot of little themes that Favreau stitched up neatly. Right. And that was one of them, although I didn't appreciate the dung beetle aspect of it because I thought it was too on the nose. And do we have to have every bit of butt humor possible in a movie? Like, Yeah, that was too bad. But, you know, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that having Donald Glover and whoever played Donald Simba. Donald Glover was awesome. And, and the kid Simba was awesome. And, he and, did a great job, whoever that kid is. And they really add a more mythic Africa feeling than stupid Jonathan Taylor Thomas and yeah, Matthew, Matthew, Matthew Broderick. Broderick. <laughs> Talk about two white bread. As white as, <laughs> as, white as they come actors. Yeah. <laughs> this is the Wonder Bread sandwich there. So that was nice. Uh, and I didn't mind Beyonce. I don't mind Beyonce singing. I'm I wish, not, I'm not sure how I feel about Rafiki. I'll just say, I liked Rafiki's He Lives in You, Mufasa mm-hmm. thing, but Rafiki had some pretty hack moments. Like, my old friend was pretty hack. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was stupid. So if you haven't seen the movie, he pulls out... He, I don't think he's had his staff. He's not shown his staff the entire time. Then he pulls out his staff right before the battle. Right. And it, it has a moment of looking at it. And it's, my old friend. And Well, and here's the thing I don't like about that. It's it's not self-contained within the movie. Exactly. The, only, the only reason that means anything... It's like it's like when, in the, in the new Star Trek 2, Into Darkness, when, the guy, when Benedict Cumberbatch says, my name is Khan. And then everyone's like, <gasps> and it's like, Khan's nothing in this universe. The only yeah. reason that that's important is because it means something to us from another movie. And yeah. this was the same thing. Like the only reason that that staff is resonant is not because of anything they've done to build it in this movie. It's because we remember something old. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know how I felt about Rafiki. He was fine, I guess. Same problem as everybody else. Just couldn't quite enter into him. They did some things that just were smarter. The whole Gorge uh, Scar takes Simba to the gorge scene was much better written in this version. In the old version, Scar takes Simba to the gorge and just says, wait here on this rock. Your father's got a marvelous surprise for you. Yeah, if Scar had drawn a target on the ground, like a, a big red circle around Simba, it wouldn't be 
Yeah. It would hardly be less obvious than what he does in the animated one. Yeah, and it doesn't set up Simba to feel responsible in the way that what he did in the new one did. Yes, that's true. Which is, I mean, they 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 have him practicing his roar and then the stampede and they, they that's all there sort of in the first one, but in this one, what you need to do is practice your roar until it reaches over the tops of the canyons mm-hmm. and you know, and that's when you'll be a man and or a lion and no longer a cub and I'll have to take you seriously and practice your roar and and it'd been setting up uh, even more Simba's desire to be taken seriously, which it was more, yeah. that was just more a point was made, more made of that in this one. So then when Simba finally succeeds in achieving the thing that he turns into a stampede, he's going to feel like this was all my fault because I wanted to grow up. Like it's going to connect more. It's all my fault. I wanted to grow up. I wanted to be king. I wanted to to prove that I was ready for this. Right. And, it, and and I got my dad killed by doing that. Like almost happened the first time in the elephant graveyard. Now it happened with me practicing my roar. I did, I really did it. Like that was smart. That was, that was nicely done. I wish the original had done that. It's the only thing less than perfect about the original. Mm-hmm. That and the idea that Rafiki is going to get some lion scented flower petals that travel across the desert. Yeah. Versus seeing uh, hair from a lion's mane. Although, I can see an argument. You could make. You could argue that the original is better with that because the original is just like, it's magic. It, yeah, exactly. Rafiki felt a stirring in the force. He's got some mystical medicine man tricks. Right. Turn it around in his bowl and... Yeah, this one wanted to make it more like, it's planet Earth. This is how <laughs> things happen. <laughs> it's like, no, they don't. <laughs> Hamlet doesn't usually play out in the Africa savanna. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Amp up the feminism of the lionesses. That it was definitely in bit. there. Yeah. Well, not as much as I expected. Though, no, I, again, I think that Favreau, he's, not, he's smart. Yeah, he's smart. I mean, I think that there's a way that you can cast Beyonce and make her obnoxious. Mm-hmm. And but even like you cast Beyonce, you got to give Beyonce a song more than Can You Feel the Love Tonight. That little song that was just this like subtle, it was actually just a subtle interlude piece. Yeah, like, a, this is like this weird gospel B-side from Beyonce, which which I liked okay. Well, it was fine. It was there and it was yeah. over yeah. and it wasn't like Beyonce wasn't is in your face distracting you from the fact that this is a Lion King movie with... This is one of the biggest pop R and B stars of the past thirty years, right? Doing si- her signature uh, vocal modulations over, like, yeah. Nor was it. We have to give this character more screen time, like Aladdin's stupid song for Jasmine. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, if you can get away with casting somebody like Beyonce, that's going to bring put butts in seats mm-hmm. and keep it from being a distraction, use her well, then. Yeah. It's pretty great. And he did just a lot of things like that that were smart. Yeah, he didn't, as far as the feminism and all that sort of stuff goes. Yeah, which is, yeah, that's where I was headed toward. Yeah, He right. knows what makes the story work and he's not going to mess it up. He's not going to mess up this. He's not going to sacrifice his story on the altar of, of, a, of, a, of, an agenda. of an ideal and agenda. He will amp up the agenda here and there. Where he can. Where he can, where it won't mess up his story, but he's not going to mess up the story. Simba's and still so, the king. Nala still has to be supportive. Sarabi is still... The mom. Yep. All that's got to... The lionesses have to be in support of their man. Right. Like, all of that's there, and 
they can be a little more proactive here and there, a little more aggressive here and there, a little more feel the wrath of the lionesses, you know. Like, right. They can give, they can make the villains matriarchal. Right. Which they did. <laughs> <laughs> One of the guards from Wakanda play Shinzi. Oh, I thought that's who that was. Yeah, I forget. The names all run together. Yeah, you know, I... I'm sure feminists would probably agree with me on this one, but I really hate the trope of the the guy is fighting the villain and then there's a girl villain that's perfectly matched for the girl yeah. and they have to have a fight. I just always think that's silly. It's pretty um, lame. I, mean, I don't even entirely apart from whether we need to have our females fighting at all, but I just always think that that's kind of a silly story move. Yep. Oh, there's a character that was perfectly designed and exists just to have a fight with <laughs> with Nala. With Nala. With Beyonce. Yeah, Beyonce. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, he didn't. Cat fight. Uh, yeah. So. Let's just I'll, I'll leave a little space in here so that the audience can fully appreciate the cat fight comment that you just made. <laughs> <laughs> People are like. <laughs> they went over their heads. <laughs> they don't know what to do. They're, they're holding their phones in <laughs> awestruck wonder right now. <laughs> I'm so clever. <laughs> and that is why I am in a podcast studio in the middle of a cornfield. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> and not playing across theaters uh, nationwide right now. Yep, yep, yep. But you know what is playing in theaters nationwide is The Lion King, and that's what we're here Milo discussing. Milo and Otis. Milo and Otis. Yeah, man. That's not a bad analogy, really. Homeward Bound, part three. But those movies always got emotion out of me, and it's either because I was a dumb Shadow. kid. Shadow. Shadow, yeah. <laughs> oh, Peter, Peter, I missed you so. <laughs> <laughs> Played by Megatron. Or, or, uh, I don't know. There again, if you just have the voiceover and the animal, it's like my brain can put those two together. It's obviously artifice, you know? You just, you have to be, yeah. you have to know when to be artificial and when to be realistic. And this whole movement towards realism Realism for realism's sake should never be the goal because it's actually impossible in art. I submit to you, Jake, that art is artifice and that the only person that can actually tell a story that has the infinite variety of life is our creator who tells a story called creation. But art I agree. Art by its very nature is making choices, making selection, choosing what not to, what to include and what not to include. And so that's what animation does. That's what movies do. That's what stories do. So to say we have achieved perfectly realistic lions as if that means anything. It's like, okay, what did you do with them? And why? And what did that get you? Yeah. And did you ever stop to ask the question? Should we have? Should we have? You packaged it. You packaged it. You wrapped it in a bow. I can never remember Jeff Goldblum's actual speech there, but it comes up and it circles through my brain quite a bit. One day they'll probably do CGI Jeff Goldblum and he'll look just like the real C- Jeff Goldblum. Except he'll look more quite, realistic yeah, than the real Jeff More Goldblum. realistic than the Jeff Goldblum. I mean, they are getting better and better at that stuff. And that is part of why. Part of why you do something, a project like this, is to push forward the tech. Yeah, and I think if you see interviews and stuff with Favreau, that's what he's interested in. I don't, I think, this is just me reading between the lions. <laughs> oh, I don't, man. <laughs> everybody's probably well, awesome. Well, it's one of the... Oh, there was a pun in the movie. There was. Like that. I forget what it was. Yes. My fiance gave it two out of four, she, she said. It feels to me like Favreau could care less about this story, but he knew it was a surefire hit and it would give him an excuse to play with some really fun technology and push things forward. Well, and I also suspect he didn't have much of a choice. Well, yeah, he's nothing if not a company man at this point. I mean, he's 
he was interesting around the time that Iron Man one came out. He was interesting, and since then he's just done project after project. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm interested in his uh, Mandalorian. I think it'll be good. I think it'll be good, but I think it will be a company man's project, just like most Disney things are. But it'll at least be smart storytelling. Yeah, and it's in the TV universe, which they traditionally have had their, their grubby hands off. Yeah, executive little, hands off. A little more freedom yeah, there. Yeah, the leash is less tight there. What else is there to say about this movie? The music was good. I guess I should have said Young Nala was fine too. She just wasn't that as... No, but I liked her singing voice. I liked. Yeah, I thought my favorite number was, was probably uh, Just Can't Wait to Be King. I thought it was nice. That was yeah. an example. That was actually an example of what... If they'd found a way to do things like that through the whole movie... Where they're kind of giving you the same thing, but actually finding a successful way to switch it up and make, and it, make a it more different. interesting or not more interesting necessarily. But yeah, it was sort of we're at this tiny watering hole and we're all going to form an animal pyramid that's going to fall on Zazu. Right. You know, it's just like this menagerie of creatures that is trying to get lost in the midst of it. That was that was a fun idea. Well, and having just watched the original, actually, when we watched the original. Uh, my fiance said, how are they going to do this in live action? That was the one thing that she really was asking about. And the reason is because it's completely stylized. The colors behind, you know, remember some yep. of the jumps and then the whole thing turns purple and then yep. it turns blue. And then the animals are suddenly very stylized. They almost look like Hirschfeld drawings. Is that that 1920s caricature guy? Yeah. And, so, and then, yeah, they're all doing the big Busley Berkeley kind of dance routine where they're all stacked on top of each other. And it's mm-hmm. just like, animals don't actually behave that way in the rest of the movie generally speaking the animals generally speaking unless they're a lion or a hyena or timon and pumbaa or zazu yeah or zazu outside of those characters the rest of the animals are animals right they act like animals but animation of course has the elasticity to just be like all right it's the musical number now everything's completely stylized and silly Yep, and that's fine. And somehow we're gonna trick Zazu by staging a giant musical number so we can so a rhinoceros will sit on him and we can escape, mm-hmm. um, which makes no logical sense but makes perfect emotional sense when you watch the movie. Yep, and so they had to figure out a way to do that. They had to figure out a way to do achieve those plot points and achieve a fun musical number using just photorealistic animals, not doing things that are too stylized. They actually did a pretty nice job. Yep, so that was nice. It's fine. But then Be Prepared was underwhelming. Like Be Prepared was, we had this stylized lavas breaking out. It suddenly becomes well, Hades. Well, the, the other know. thing is that we had pre-existing relationship with the hyenas. Right. And this was the, we're, I am now forging an alliance with the hyenas. Plot-wise, it's different. What is trying to happen there? I don't really care for the hyenas in this one, I have to say. I mean, they were fine, I guess, but... The combination of funny, scary, how threatening they are versus how just felt off to me somehow. Maybe it was just being a six-year-old or whatever I was when the original came off. They felt really scary and really funny. These ones just kind of felt, but mundane, scary. Like they felt like stormtroopers. They didn't have a lot of personality. I didn't mind that. There were two that had a little shtick about personal space throughout the film. Yeah. Yeah, It was was fine. It was fine. But it was no Ed. They didn't have names. Yeah, there's no Ed. It was no Ed and uh, Cheech and Chong, whatever that guy's name is. We don't got no stinking entree. Because they wanted to lean away from horrible racist stereotypes, (laughs) probably. You know what the other dumb thing about this movie was? When you have photorealistic animals, they kind of all look the same. Like, I couldn't tell you what the difference 
if you just showed me pictures between who Nala is and who Zarabi is, yeah, they just look like lionesses. Same thing for the hyenas. That was one of the reasons why the hyenas maybe didn't stand out to me that much, is they just looked like... Keegan-Michael Key was one of the... Uh, I thought I recognized him. Plus, he's in everything these days. Florence Kasumba was Shinzi. Huh. She played Io, the security chief, I think, in uh, Black Panther. and in- J.D. McCrary. Props to that kid. That's young Simba. He did a good job. Shahadi Wright Joseph, young Nala. She did a nice job, too, although yep. she didn't have much to do. T'Chaka, King T'Chaka was Rafiki. That makes sense. I was wondering about that. Not wondering, just wondering who it was. I am afraid to try to say Scar's name, though. Chuetel Egeo 4. Here's a question. Yeah. Based on both the Jungle Book and the Lion King. When Favreau has something iconic, does he ever try to outdo it? Or is his modus operandi always to underdo it? I submit to you what he always does in both the Jungle Book and the Lion King now is... We're not going to try and outdo Jeremy Irons. We're going to come up with the subtle version of what Jeremy Irons was doing. We're not going to try and outdo Baloo. We're going to get Bill Murray to do a very subtle. We're not going to try and outdo anything. We're just, it's it's the music being more subdued. It's the interesting way of thinking about it. Which I, which I think a, is pretty smart, actually. I, mean, I, I don't, think, I don't I think necessarily it's, like it. I think it. it's smart, but it certainly is also risk averse. Yeah, exactly. Like, but it makes sense. You, 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 if you well, think about it that way, you understand it, why they did scar the way. It's like nobody's well, yeah, going to top thought. Jeremy like, Irons in the. I, it was my biggest concern. Can we, I actually had listened to "Be Prepared" on Spotify before. Uh, that probably helped. Yeah, that was that was the, the big disappointment of the movie for me. I had listened to it, so I knew what to expect with it. I listened to it on Spotify beforehand because my biggest concern, I think, heading into the movie was Scar. Right. I don't know. I think maybe altogether, my concern about Scar. How are you going to live up to Jeremy Irons? Having really thought that th- thought that through, like how do you live up to Jeremy Irons? Who do you cast? How do you make this work? Well, they did the smartest thing. Let's not try. I mean, I think I had already concluded that myself. It right. was like, hey, you just better not try for that. Right. So I think it set me up to really like what they did with Scar, but teach his own and have thought, I-, I can't fault anybody for being disappointed with not Jeremy Irons because- Jeremy Irons I mean, is pretty great. I, I mean- Every time I see Jeremy Irons in a thing, we just watched him play uh, Henry mm-hmm. in the, uh, for the booking. Yeah. You know, my first thought is there's Scar. Every time he opens his mouth, I'm hearing Scar. Because you know what? As a kid, sc- the voice of Scar was just like- Absolutely iconic. Compl- yeah. Uh, as iconic as it comes, he will never not be Scar. Right. In my mind, I was eight or nine or whatever, and- that's who Scar is. And Scar, for me at least, was a really not I wouldn't just say critically now he's the best villain, but back then he felt like one of the best villains because he was scary in a way that was new to me. He was a psychologically rich villain that I don't think I'd seen before. I think he was one of my first introductions to oh, this is a villain that has a particular point of view and you can kind of understand it, even though it's completely evil. And he's motivated by things that you as a kid, like jealousy, have felt. And, you know, it's not like just Jafar is just a villain villain, you know, like, oh, no, a dark source. Like, there's nothing nothing relatable about him for a kid. He's just a scary other thing. Mm -hmm. He's just a bad guy from a fairy tale. And same thing for a lot of those Disney villains. But Scar felt much more insidious and much more down to earth in in a way that was compelling. Well... I don't suppose there's any 
more meat we're going to get off of this carcass. Ho, ho, ho. Nope. Anything else you want to say about this? Akuna Matata was fine. Akuna Matata was fine. A little underwhelming, but how, again. But it's interesting to, it was going to be interesting to hear how young J.D. McCrary and Donald Glover were going to handle it. And, you know, like, to see, well, in, in the original, Jonathan Taylor Thomas plays young Simba, but he doesn't sing. Right. They got a no name with a voice. Right. To cover for him. It's nice when they keep that straight. Cast was good. The singing was good. No, no, not a auto tune Will Smith or an auto tune Emma Watson type deal to be found here. Everybody could hold their own, except for Scar, and they wrote something for him that he could perform. I guess. I, that's my kind of Donald Glover, smart, savvy person. Don't have to like him, but gotta respect him. Yeah, he is. He is very smart. I always feel like, I, I always have this feeling that he's not quite giving us all of him, though, which I, I resent a little bit. I don't know how to explain it other than that, but there's some performers, that, like Beyonce, for example. She's giving, like, she's she's giving everything that she has, and you may not, you may think it's stupid, you may think it's wonderful, but either way, like, what you see is kind of what you get. Yeah. Uh, I always feel like, well, I always just have this feeling, whether it's Childish Gambino or a TV show or anything that I've seen Donald Glover He's Glover holding in, back. It just always feels like he's holding back. Not when, really I, when I see him in interviews, he who kind the real, of, Who's the real Donald Glover, actually? Yes. And yeah. I probably don't know who the real Beyonce is, but the key is that I think I do. You know what right. I mean? I may not know who the real Robert Downey well, Jr. is, but I think I do. Well, but that's what... That is his... That's yeah, I know. That's, that's his like, mask. That's, his, that's thing. his thing. That's his mask. That's his Beyonce's mask is beyond. Is she's got a Beyonce mask that she wears, and Donald Glover's mask is what is really going on behind here. Yeah, well, I don't like it. I resent it a little bit because it's. Did just... you feel it in the film? A little bit. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether that's just me bringing my knowledge of Donald Glover or. Well, I just thought that's not to say he wasn't great. His by the way, singing. Yeah, his singing's good. Was really tasteful at every turn. I just felt like, I mean, like Beyonce did some things that I didn't like because she's Beyonce and like somebody told Beyonce that the thing to do is to modulate her voice 5,000 different mm-hmm. ways all the time. Right. And mostly that's Can just- Can you feel? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Mostly that's just really obnoxious, but he's just really like steady and silky smooth and he's playing off of her mm-hmm. and yet in a way that he somehow still manages to shine- yeah, it's, it's really smart. Smart. He always feels to me to be smart, to be calculated, and tasteful is actually a good word. Even when he's doing something provocative, like that childish Bambino video that made it rounds a, a year or two ago, or, or whenever it was. This is America. Yeah, this is America. It feels like even when he's being a violent, awful provocateur, <laughs> he's somehow weirdly restrained. restrained. Yeah. Yeah, tasteful even, in a weird way. And I don't care for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can find that music video to be in completely poor taste. Oh, yeah, don't. Don't watch it, folks, if you haven't seen it. But it's 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 violent and nasty, and it's super compelling as well. Yeah, like I don't know, maybe I do like it. I I, I feel mixed about it because what he does do that very few performers do is by not giving you everything, by holding something back, he makes you want to come to him. It, that's, that's right. That's 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 what's compelling. Is it's like what's going on here? I want to figure this out. Is he is is the joke on me or is the joke on him? I I don't know, but. I don't know. I feel like I'm too old and too grumpy for those kinds of games with my celebrities. <laughs> like, I just, I don't care. Maybe if I was 20 instead of in my 30s, I'd actually like him better. Like, I'd be more intrigued by what is the thing. 
but who cares what the thing is? But he's a very talented man. I'm not trying to argue that he's not. <sighs> I want to see him as Uncle Aaron again. Got to bring him back in Spider Man. That would be good. He was good in he was good in Spider Man. The Prowler isn't mm-hmm. that Uncle Aaron? Yep. You, you know what? He, you know who he was, wasn't good in um, Solo. That's an example of where his holding back quality, I think, his restrained quality worked against him because he was playing a character that's not really supposed to be all that restrained, at least not the way that Billy Dee Williams played him. I'm not going to blame any of the actors in that movie for how that movie turned out. Nope. I'm I'm not either. I'm not either. I don't know whether it was Including his Including Alden Ehrenreich. I'm cutting him all kinds of slack. Alden Ehrenreich is great. All right. Well, I don't know. Jake, do you recommend this Lion King? You're going to see it. You're going to want to see for yourself. I think that you should save your money and wait till it comes out. I think you'll be bored. Uh, you might as well be bored at home. I mean, look, I laughed. I cried. All those, all those things, but at the same time, I just thought I would have rather, I, I literally would have rather they put Lion King, the original Lion King, back on a theater run. Oh man, that would have been a really magical experience to, to take my kids to see Lion King in theaters. Would have been really cool and fun. The original, yeah, and it would have been really moving, like to see it again up on the big screen. To have to have that, you know, that opening title mm-hmm. stuff on, yeah, that would have taken me back i remember being in the theater with my dad mm-hmm. and my brothers seeing that we're on vacation in florida it was summer release pretty sure yep i remember seeing it with my mom and my brothers and it was same kind of deal and that was the movie before it all went to you know where pocahontas was next boo and then after that the, the disney renaissance was over but if you read this read the history everybody was interested in pocahontas that's the fun part about that story like all the animators and creatives like they all knew that pocahontas was going to be the classic and so they were all banking on that and everybody was asking to be transferred to pocahontas and everybody and no, every, people were just like what is this dumb lion movie it's 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 exaggerating the story to say what is this dumb lion movie cuz disney doesn't make things that aren't a level productions but the one that everybody thought was going to be the remembered classic was pocahontas and oops oops the lion king man what a smart movie that was the original lion king yeah just taking that level of shakespearean story and figuring out a way to do it for kids that really works and the fun thing disney hadn't really eh, that's not true i'm gonna back that up well in the renaissance Mm -hmm. disney had given us two heroin-driven films. Yeah. And then they came around and they gave us two hero-driven films. Aladdin and the Lion King, yep. And they were well-timed. They all worked really well together. Yep. And it's just the perfect melding of adult sensibilities with kid sensibilities, I think. You've got you've got The Little Mermaid where Ariel finally feels like a three-dimensional, like she feels like a real teenager, and that's the, that's the breakthrough of that movie. Yep. She's not a perfect little princess, which is an annoying Disney trope at this point, but was was pretty interesting back then actually and then you've got beauty and the beast which is just tells a mature fairy tale with rich characterizations and then you've got aladdin and beautiful animation and then aladdin is just a boy's adventure story and it's really smart and i think it's the less the less of those four just because the most meta uh yeah it is it's the most meta it's the most overtly comic and it's the least it's the least resonant in terms of the the emotions i would say but maybe that's just me. I know people swear by it. And hey, when I saw the new one, I certainly got a new appreciation for what I liked about the old one. So. <laughs> I think that <clears throat> I think Aladdin's more emotionally resonant than 
I give Little it credit Mermaid than you give it credit for, for sure. Uh, I, when it, you never felt like... Uh, I needed to pretend to be something to impress a girl. Yes, of course, I spent my whole... You never felt insecure about who you were and where you came from? Yeah, yeah, I guess, but... You never felt like you had to be, be, be or become something that you're not in order to be loved? Yeah, and I was right. <laughs> <laughs> be yourself is a dumb message. No, no one should be themselves. <laughs> oh, shut up. There's some People should grow there, and change. There's truth in, to, in be yourself. I know, I know, I'm being a jerk. But my only point in really bringing all this up is, in some ways, The Lion King is the culmination of that that set you've got a, a mature story an interesting protagonist and a good hero's journey and a clever villain and a good romance and great songs it's just the whole it's just the complete package and it doesn't all in 80 minutes or whatever it is and this movie comes along and it's got to be two hours and pad things out with a bunch of stuff and so you do recommend the lion king don't recommend it it's an evi- it is inevitable I, yeah i think it's like thanos it's inevitable but i think wait Wait till you get it on Disney Plus or iTunes or whatever, Redbox. Agreed. And if you're not interested, then I don't... Personally, if you're going to spend the money and you you haven't shown your kids the original Lion King, you'd be better served, in my opinion, to pay 20 bucks for the original Mm -hmm. than... But I don't know. I mean, if they've never seen the Lion King... I don't know. Uh, you want to have a special moment in the theaters? Maybe it'll work for you. Maybe it'll be great. Here's how I'd put it. If you're not inclined to see it, don't. Don't. If if you weren't going to go see it anyway, then... Don't. But if no, you were going to see it anyway, then just... Your mileage will vary depending on... Your mileage on may vary. Yeah. Your, yeah. And if you really loved it and think that we're wrong about some stuff, let us know. Hit us up. Yeah, it'd be interesting to hear a defense. I know some people really like it, but I don't know. I don't feel... I, t- like, I tend to be the one that wants to defend these sorts of things and I had nothing I had nothing I felt like the lone defender of Aladdin I think it was in fact the lone defender of Aladdin was Ben on that one yeah because Ben was on that one and he didn't like it either Uh, he liked it I felt like I was the lone attacker so really yeah I felt like the lone defender whatever okay well he was in the middle somewhere right he was caught in the middle (laughs) he managed to make us caught between the two titans of (laughs) He managed to what's, make what's, neither what's, what's the opposite supported. of playing both sides against each other. <laughs> he managed to make us both feel betrayed. Uh, I would see Aladdin again. I'll see it again at home with my whole family. I will never watch either one of these probably. movies again, probably. Except that whole feminist thing. I don't know. I don't want to show that to my girls oh, or just, my boys. You just fast forward it. I think I'll just fast forward it. Yeah. Skip it. Or just mock it. Mercilessly. Or, or have a sweet little parental conversation about how dumb it was at the end i don't know i could just mute it and make a joke about how i made her silent, silent. <laughs> <laughs> i like that <laughs> the patriarchy in action folks maybe that's what i'll do <laughs> jake's actually got a device <laughs> with a button he can push that will make the woman stop talking <laughs> i love it take that <laughs> yep we know what jake's wishing for all right folks uh we'll see you in not next week but the week after Bye. You got to do a... Sanity at the Movies was performed by us, executive produced by us, produced by me. Until next time. (laughs) You're never prepared for I know this. (laughs) This is Remember who you are. Remember. Remember. (laughs) Hakuna Matata. There you go.